Thank you for tuning in to the Sword and Trial today. Uh, we have the special opportunity of having a conversation with Lizzie Marbach. Thank you for tuning in to the Sword and Trial today. We have the special opportunity in this episode to have a conversation with Lizzie Marbach. You may have heard of her recently because she was the center of a controversy that erupted after she posted on social media that Jesus Christ is the only hope that anybody has for salvation in this world. And her congressman in Ohio uh, took her to task for it, said this is the most bigoted thing I've ever read and called for her to delete that post, and she refused to do so. As a result, she had been working for uh, the Ohio Right to Life, and uh, she lost her job. They fired her two days later. The congressman's wife is on the board of the Ohio Right to Life. So a lot of intrigue there, but uh, Lizzie's a wonderful, delightful Christian young a wife and soon to be a mother of a little boy that she's about ready to deliver. And uh, she's very eloquent about the cause of life. And uh, so we invite you to tune in to this and also tell you that if you listen to it, or if you watch it, you will be witnessing a first because for the first time ever, we have suffered a feline invasion in the middle of a sword and trial podcast. So thanks for joining today. Uh, let us know if we can serve you in any way. Welcome to the Sword and Trial podcast. The Sword and Trial is a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. Today, we have the uh, privilege to have with us Lizzie Marbach. She has been recently making some disturbances in the uh, pro-life movement, and so we'd like to be able to talk to her, kind of get some of her perspective on some of the things that have been going on. So welcome to the show, Lizzie. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I am very excited to talk to you, to you guys today. And you're coming to us from Columbus, Ohio. Is that right? Yes, it is. Right in central Ohio. <laughs> very good. And uh, you were telling us just a few minutes ago that you have um, been recently married the last year and you're now expecting a child. Uh, so praise God for that and congratulations to you. Thank you so much. It's definitely been uh, quite the year. Definitely plenty of new milestones that have taken <laughs> place, but all blessings. And we're, we're just really looking forward to having this new little bundle of joy with us. That's great. <laughs> Very good. Well, yeah, um, you have found yourself in the midst of some controversy that resulted in you're actually losing your job with Ohio Right to Life. Is that accurate? Yes, it is. Um, so uh, now two weeks ago, I, I think it, it was. Uh, time is just kind of flying by. Mm. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, about two weeks ago, I just found myself in some controversy with uh, Congressman Max Miller here in the state of Ohio. I tweeted out that there is no hope for any of us outside of Jesus Christ alone. Mm. And him being a Jewish congressman did not like that very much. Um, and things kind of just went crazy from there. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Because mm. that's about uh, one of the most uh, uh, fundamental, innocuous statements you can make if you are a Christian. Mm. You know, in the same way that I would expect a, a Jewish person to say that, no, you must keep the Torah. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be offended by that. That's what they believe. Mm -hmm. And I certainly wouldn't have jumped on a person who said that the way that the congressman jumped on you. And so whenever uh, he came at you publicly, on this. I mean, you certainly weren't expecting that, I'm sure. 
No, not at all. Uh, and it's so funny because so earlier in the day, I'd spoken to my uh, bosses about my tone and tenor that's on my social media altogether. I'm somebody who likes to really proclaim the truth. I'm, I am a reformed Baptist. I came out of uh, deception a, a few years ago. I, I grew up in a charismatic um prosperity gospel church mm. and so when it, in about 2019 i came out of that deception radically and and ever since then god has just really uh put a fire in my belly to speak the truth boldly and to snatch people from the fire and mm. so that's just been my my attitude uh since then i i can't be quiet about the truth and obviously i want to speak the truth in love but i'm going to be bold about that and so uh, on my personal twitter account i definitely uh invoke that that method of communication by just speaking the truth boldly and that made some of my bosses and board members uncomfortable and so they were speaking to me about that uh, i made one one post where i responded to an abortion advocate uh she she was lying about uh an abortion ballot initiative that they're trying to bring here in the state of ohio um and i responded calling her a murderous liar because she was advocating for murder and lying about it and so my my, <laughs> my boss and i were yeah sh shocking <laughs> idea there um and so we were really going back and, and forth about that uh on whether or not it was right or wrong to have that that tone and so as i was leaving for work i'm like you know what i'll i'll just share an uplifting hopeful message that we can all get behind <laughs> and so i posted the the infamous tweet that there's that there's no hope for any of us outside of Jesus Christ alone and then not even a half hour later is when the congressman responded to that and so uh backfired on my plan a little bit but obviously God makes it all work together for his good now millions of people have seen mm -hmm. the message so hopefully that that has pierced pierced the heart of many who have seen it well the Lord was reminding you and all of us just how offensive the gospel actually is yeah that's right that's exactly right, because it wasn't anything tone-wise that was a problem with that. That's just mm -hmm. simple, basic truth, ABCs, for anybody who calls Jesus Lord. Now, the congressman, Congressman Miller, actually called your statement bigoted. And didn't he tell you to delete it as well? Yes, so he said that it was the most bigoted thing that he has ever seen. Yeah. And uh, then <laughs> You need to get out more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially in 2023, there's, yeah. there's a lot of bigger yeah. things out there. Um, and then he, he demanded that I deleted it, said that it was a threat to religious liberty, and said mm. that it went way too far. Yeah. So uh, it was really quite a shock to see that kind of response. But like you said, it was, it was uh, just a reminder of how offensive the gospel message is because it is truthful, because there is ex ex exclusivity in Christ, uh, the you know, narrow gate versus the wide gate, uh, we're, we're going to see people be repulsed and be offended at that message. And mm. it, I, I think that as Christians in 2023, it's, it's a great reminder to know that, hey, people are going to hate you because of the gospel message, mm. because they first hated Jesus Christ, but we shouldn't be shocked by it. We should be uh, emboldened by it and stand flat-footed when, yeah. when we're confronted by people who are trying to get us to delete uh, such an important message, we should, you know, respectfully say, no, I, I will not delete this. I will stand strong on that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting uh, seeing the people that came out in defense of you. Of course, you know, so many in the Christian community across the country came out in defense of that. 
um, message. But then, you know, another Jewish man, Ben Shapiro, I, I heard his defense of you in that. And then people no less, uh, you know, op- opposing to us as uh, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar came out mm. in defense of you. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So she came out and said, you know, this is absolutely wrong. She has a right to not only believe this, but share her beliefs. This is fundamental to Christianity and it's fundamental to religious liberty as a whole, that she has the ability and the right uh, to just speak what she plainly believes. And so I do appreciate her for uh, defending me and, and all Christians' right to share the gospel message. That was very encouraging to see her do that. So you had conservatives and liberals, Christians, Jews, and <laughs> Muslims. Muslims all defending you. <laughs> yes, yes, ex- exactly. There was one time, though, when um, a fellow Jewish Ohio State representative actually defended Max Miller, mm. um, and he mm. demanded that I delete the tweet as well. He ended up deleting his tweet, telling me to delete the tweet. Um, but that was interesting, too, to see two uh, elected officials demanding that a private citizen delete her tweet that expresses her basic Christian beliefs. Right. And both of them Republicans? <clears throat> uh, no. So the second one was a Democrat. Okay. Uh, yeah. His name is Casey Weinstein here in Ohio. Both of them were in the Uniparty. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. So Lizzie, did you have any kind of relationship with Congressman Miller beforehand? I mean, did you know him? Did he know you? Uh, so he definitely knew who I was. His wife, Emily, is on Ohio Right to Life's board. Mm-hmm. And so Emily and I have had many correspondence uh, behind the scenes at board meetings. We've we've spoken before. It's always been cordial and friendly. We've never had any issues. Um, but I, I do know that he at least knew who I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know if there was any, you know, feelings underneath that just weren't expressed where it, it came out that night or if he just genuinely thought that that was too far. But um, yeah, every time that we have spoken, it's always been friendly. And you were actually working. Were you employed by the Ohio Right to Life, is that correct? Yes, so I was their communications director. And how long had you had that position? Um, Since March of 2022, so about a year and a half. Okay, and after uh, some of the kerfuffle gained uh, some uh, notoriety, the congressman, Max Miller, went back on Twitter and he said, I posted something earlier that conveyed a message I did not intend. I will try not to hide my mistake or run from it. I sincerely apologize to Lizzie and to everyone who read my post. Well, I can appreciate the fact that he owns what he said. Mm -hmm. It's kind of odd to me that he said it conveyed a message he didn't intend. Uh, It's pretty straightforward language that he used here. We used to teach our children, you know, they say, well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to say that. And I I try to get that out of my vocabulary and everybody else's I can uh, because what usually is going on there is, no, I did mean it. I just wish I hadn't said it. Yeah. Because what comes out of the mouth is what's in the heart, Mm -hmm. Jesus said. And um, I think that's probably true here as well. But he apologized and you would think, okay, you know, he acknowledged what he did in calling attention to something that is kind of bread and butter Christianity and uh, accusing it as being the most bigoted thing he's ever heard. Uh, He's owned that. He's walked it back. He's um, apologized to Lizzie and everybody else who's offended. And you think, okay, let's move forward. But that's not what happened. You, You got fired, didn't you? 
Yes, I did. So uh, two days later, my boss called me and said that uh, the Miller situation had become too much of a distraction and my social media as a whole is just the wrong tone for the organization and that it, they would have to let me go. Uh, the the question that a lot of people have, have asked is, uh, you know, if the congressman had any specific hand in that, I'm not completely sure if the congressman or if uh, his wife had any part of that or if they just genuinely, you know, let me go because of my social media and everything kind of blowing up. Um, I don't want to make any assumptions, sure. but uh, the, the conversation um, of, of my firing, it, it was cited as as uh a distraction and then letting uh, leading into my social media use as a whole. Yeah. Well, that's uh, unfortunate on one level, but on another level, it does indeed highlight some of the concerns uh, that are mm-hmm. going on in the pro-life movement. And we've talked about this before. Uh, there are those who want to identify themselves exclusively as abolitionists. And I understand that and respect that. And there are those that say, no, we're pro-life. We're not abolitionists. And there's a lot of infighting mm-hmm. and trying to clarify what is meant, what's not meant uh, among people who would hold very firmly to both of those ways of defining themselves. And I'll just say that you know, my brother who's a pastor in Owasso, Oklahoma at Bethel Baptist Church, who's a little older than me, several years ago began to identify himself as an abolitionist. And I talked to him about it, and I wasn't quite clear on uh, what all he meant by that or why, because I've been pro-life as long as I can recall. Uh, My mother was counseled to abort me uh, whenever she was pregnant with me as a 45-year-old, and uh, back then when abortion was illegal but still very much accessible. And she didn't do that, and when she told me that as a young adult, you know, it impacted me and just kind of solidified my pro-life, what I called my pro-life convictions. I just assumed everybody who was pro-life really wanted unborn children not to be murdered in the womb. Mm. I mean, that, you know, I've lived that way, but I did discover a few years ago through my brother's encouragement and and patient counsel of me that no, there are people in the pro-life movement who call themselves pro-life who actually argue against legislation that would, if it were passed, protect children in the womb and keep them from being murdered and provide them the same kind of legal standing that you and I have or anybody else has that basically just wants something as simple as the murder of anyone at any time is wrong. And that sounds like yeah. common sense to me, mm-hmm. but not everybody in the pro-life movement believes that or thinks that way. You know, I'm so sorry. I think I need to lock up my cat. He's literally like right behind the camera trying to push it over. I'm sorry. We're going to take a time out while Lizzie gets her cats herded. We wanted to make you aware of a new title that's coming out here shortly at Founders Press. This is Serious Joy, Reflections and Devotions on Jonathan Edwards' 70 Resolutions, a book by Pastor Joey Tomlinson. In this book, uh, Joey introduces the readers to Jonathan Edwards' 70 Resolutions and goes over each of them in detail and gives supporting scripture references for each of them. So it's a wonderful opportunity for Christians to be able to be introduced to Jonathan Edwards and also a wonderful introduction to his 70 Resolutions. If you'd like to pre order this new title, you can do so at founders.org. I'm so sorry about that. (laughs) This is the first time that they've actually been like, 
up against the camera and causing causing trouble so i apologize no <laughs> worries at all we're we're glad to know that the cats are safe and sound and that we can carry <laughs> on with our conversation yes so, absolutely yeah i mean i remember it it was uh i was hard to convince that there were people in the pro-life movement that would argue against legislation that if it were passed and enacted would actually protect unborn children from the moment of conception. And I had to actually read some of the bills in Oklahoma, where my brother was, and in Mm. Texas, where I'm from, and then read what some of the Republican uh, legislators were saying about how these bills cannot be passed. If these Mm -hmm. bills are passed, it will be bad for women. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking you sound like people, they're abortionists. By which they mean (laughs) bad for the Republican Party. Yeah, I I think so. And uh, anyway, so... You know, I was, uh, what's the word, red-pilled or eyes-opened, or I don't know what it was. But anyway, I came to see things that I had not seen before in this. And I haven't dived into it too deeply, but I get the impression that there's some of this in the Ohio Right to Life uh, organization as well that really is not in favor of legislation that would give equal protection under the law to unborn children. Uh, is that am I accurate in that? Didn't you just have an opportunity that was missed in Ohio? Yeah, so unfortunately, you are very accurate in that Ohio right to life has really been uh, the quintessential pro-life establishment group when abolitionists are trying to, you know point out, some of the corruption that's taking place in the pro-life establishment, Ohio right to life has really been at the, at the center of a lot of that, just because uh, some of their leaders, they're the the most influential in the organization are exactly what what you just described where they aren't really in it to end Mm -hmm. all abortion or to protect the pre-born. They're, they're really just in it for political power, political influence. Um, And yeah, this year there was um, a group of abolitionists that were trying to bring forth a bill of abolition that would give equal protection to the pre-born in the same way that born people have all the laws and protection. Uh, It would apply that to babies that are in the womb as well. Um, So a bill that you think, that all of us would be able to get behind. Um, but the pro-life movement, specifically uh, in Ohio Right to Life, lobbied against that behind the scenes in order to kill the bill before it even came up uh, to be introduced. Because and, and they did it for two reasons. Uh, the first reason is because fundamentally they're just against the bill. Uh, they think that it would be politically inconvenient to put a bill forth that would uh, criminalize women potentially. And so they are fundamentally against that belief, uh, that any person that takes place, uh, in, in, in abortion should be punished. They think that it should just be the abortion worker that gets punished and that the mother should never, uh, get any kind of, uh, culpability in that under the law. And as Christians, that's obviously partiality. Um, you know, if, if somebody has a hand to play in, in someone else's murder, uh, then they should be held culpable. And obviously, every situation isn't the same. Uh, some women genuinely are victims in the situation, but many are not. Many are culpable and are bringing their own children mm-hmm. to a murder mill. And yeah. so uh, this it they're fundamentally against the idea of ever holding women accountable for that. And the second reason is because of the potential ballot initiative um, to enshrine abortion. And so the abortion lobby announced last year that they would be bringing forth 
a ballot initiative this November. And um, if that gets passed, then all abortion in the state of Ohio, all the way up until birth, would be enshrined into our Constitution. Mm, Um, And so they think that if we brought forth any kind of pro-life legislation, whether it gives immunity to the mother or not, uh, they're fundamentally against that. They put a pause on all pro-life legislation, even the establishment-approved legislation, they put a pause on uh, because they, they said that it would be politically inconvenient and unwise to pass any kind of pro-life bill this year because it would only embolden uh, the abortion supporters to go out and vote in November. Um, and again, the problem with that, uh, I'm, I'm all for being politically wise and strategic and, and trying to, you know, move in a way that's, that's God honoring. Um, but that's not wise nor strategic. That's just fearful. That's just mm-hmm. acting in cowardice because when we're talking about the issue of abortion, we're talking about real human lives that are at stake. Um, you know, I'm nine months pregnant myself. I, I have a, a baby boy that's inside my womb and I feel him kicking around. Um, and to know that there's other lives out there that are like my son that are at stake and are seen as, um, you know, acceptable collateral damage to the pro-life movement for this campaign, it, it really is just sickening because in the state of Ohio, 20,000 babies are aborted per year. Mm. And so by them putting that on pause for an entire year, they're saying that these 20,000 lives are worth uh, allowing to go to the slaughter as long as we can win in November. And I just think that's fundamentally wrong. I don't think that there's any any amount of political expediency that makes that worth it. Well stated. Um It's sad to me, and again, I I was slow to come to believe it, but a few years ago could not deny it any longer that there are some really um, wicked elements in the pro-life movement, Mm -hmm. and I'll say it just that strongly. Uh, Last year, I think it was, when there was a bill before the Louisiana legislature that would have been the first bill, and it had a lot of momentum behind it. There were people willing to promote it and push it and vote for it to provide equal protection under the law. Bradley Pierce, a friend of ours who's an attorney and big in this abolition movement, uh, wrote the bill. He was instrumental in getting it framed just right. And a week or two before, over 75 pro-life organizations signed an open letter calling uh, for legislatures not to pass such legislation, Mm -hmm. including the head of our Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission in the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm -hmm. I was appalled by that. I think it's immoral what they did. And again, I think there's a whole lot of people out there who are exactly the way I was a few years ago. You're pro-life. Yeah. Yeah. And you you think anytime you hear people talk about pro-life and being pro-life, they mean the same thing you mean, that you really don't want to see babies murdered in the womb anymore. And you want to stop abortion now. And if we had an opportunity to enact legislation that would do exactly that, that we should take it. And that we want to not be uh, sinfully partial by saying that anybody who's complicit in the taking of a human life, whether it's born or pre-born, should be held accountable and liable for that under the law, which has different scenarios and makes distinctions between individual cases mm-hmm. and mitigating circumstances. All of those things are already on the books. Mm-hmm. It's not like we have to come up with some new formula here. We're just saying, can't children who have not yet made it through the birth canal 
can't they be afforded the same protection under the law that the rest of us have? That's not a hard sell to me, it doesn't seem like. Thank you for joining us today on this episode of The Sword in the Trial. We just wanted to remind you of our upcoming National Founders Conference that is coming up next January 18th through the 20th. That's January 2024. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful time of encouragement. The theme is Remember Jesus Christ, so it's an entire conference devoted to Christology. Uh, Tom Askell, Conrad and Bayway, Paul Washer, Joel Beakey, Phil Johnson, and Travis Allen will all be there speaking at the conference. And we're delighted to be able to announce today that Allie Beth Stuckey will also be joining us as a special guest as well at this upcoming conference. She'll be doing a live podcast with us, with Tom and me, and she'll also be doing a breakout session for all the ladies in attendance as well. So if you want to come and sign up for the conference, you can do so at founders.org slash conference. We'd love to see you there. So in your mind, uh, Lizzie, what are some alternatives for Christians who are in Ohio uh, Christians in this nation, um, they're uh, disenchanted with the pro-life movement, maybe with even Ohio right to life. And they're looking, okay, where can I get involved? What can I do to actually see the ball move forward in this issue? Um, what are some recommendations that you would give? Well, I think first and foremost, I think that we need to encourage our pastors. I think that getting churches involved from from that standpoint should always be ground zero. Um, and I've been really disheartened myself uh, being in the movement for the last year and a half and, and seeing just a lot of disengaged uh, churches and, and pastors that haven't really picked up the mantle. So I think that that's the first step is to encourage our pastors and parishioners to get out there and, and lead the way. Uh, there is an amazing group here in the state of Ohio. They're called End Abortion Ohio. I believe their website is endabortionohio.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can go there and support them. They're the ones who are bringing forth this bill of abolition and are really trying to provide equal protection for the unborn. And uh, let me just just add that letter that you spoke about, Pastor. Uh, Ohio Right to Life actually signed mm-hmm. on to it. It was right when I started with the organization and our president, Mike Anadakis, uh, signed the letter without even letting anyone else know that he signed it. Uh, and so when I saw what happened in Louisiana, I was shocked. Uh, to see Ohio Right to Life's name on that mm-hmm. letter without any kind of discussion uh, about it. But I, like you said, there there really just is a lot of evil that is permeating throughout the movement. Um, and there's a lot of good people that are uh, trying to get involved that are that genuinely do care. But unfortunately, most of them are not in any kind of places of power or influence. And Mm. so the people that are really making the decisions that are really uh, leading the way for legislation and where the movement goes, those people, at least from what I have seen, uh, there's zero evidence that they actually care. Mm. Um, I had a really disheartening conversation with our president, Mike Anadakis, um, and I was talking to him ab- ab- about abortion pills and how, you know, even in states where abortion is banned at conception, supposedly, um, women are still able to legally yeah. get abortion pills by ordering them online because women have complete immunity. Um, Even in the state of Ohio, where abortion is banned after 22 weeks, I'm 36 weeks. I could order an abortion pill uh, online from Plan C or or 8 Access or whatever other website. I could order a pill online, take it, and that would be completely legal for me to 
murder my baby at 36 mm. weeks mm-hmm. um, because it's it, I have complete immunity in our laws and statutes. And so I was explaining this to him and he looked at me and he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and he was like, yeah, I know. I, I, I guess we'll never, you you know, be able to, to really do anything. Like he, he just had no, no answer when I asked him, you know, if we're not going to punish women ever, if that's always off the table, how do we combat that? And he just shrugged his shoulders and walked away. Mm. And uh, for, for someone who claims to be, you know, leading a movement that's really supposed to protect life, I just find that to be completely unacceptable. And I don't say that to gossip about anyone. Um, I say that because it, I, the president of Ohio Right to Life, he has a lot of power. People listen to him. And and he's not just responsible for his own personal opinions, but he is responsible for you know, tens of thousands of, of innocent lives that are being killed every single day. And we need to take that uh, responsibility seriously and call our leaders to account. And I think that uh, genuine pro-life supporters who really just want to save innocent lives, who see these organizations as an outlet to do that, I think that we just need to uh, do better research of, uh, about the organizations and and hold them accountable when they're not doing what, what we see uh, is right. But in the state of Ohio, like, like I said, we do have End Abortion Ohio. They have been great, and they're really trying to get off the ground and do what's right in our state. So I'm praying that they'll be able to uh, bring that bill forth. But the pro-life establishment in Ohio is fighting very hard against it. Uh, Ohio Right to Life is Center for Christian Virtue. Their president and CEO is fighting against bringing that bill forward as well. And so we need a lot of prayer and encouragement Mm. in our state for that. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you for that. And uh, it grieves me to know that in a post row world, abortion is still very much legal Mm. in all 50 states of the United States. And in just the way that you've described Lizzie. And so those of us who um, take the word of God seriously, who understand these issues uh, as clearly as you've articulated them, we should be praying and we should be acting. We should not be silent. We should help people come to understand the issues as they really are and not let anyone just continue to drift along thinking we're all pro-life. We all mean the same thing by that because that simply is not true. You know, we had Bradley Pierce here a couple of years ago to speak at the Founders Conference, and it was a very moving message Mm -hmm. that he gave about this whole issue. And we're going to link to that in the notes of this podcast so that if you miss that, you can hear it and get involved in getting your church active, getting other pastors active, uh, your family members and friends. Let folks know what's going on and stand for life and call for the equal protection of unborn children under the laws that we already have on the books. Uh, Lizzie, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, I, I don't know if you and your husband would be interested at all, but if you could make your way to South Florida in January, we'd love to comp you guys tickets to the Founders Conference coming up. We're going to be talking about Remember Jesus Christ. And uh, if we can help facilitate getting you down here, we would love to try to do that as well. I know you have a little one with you, but people bring little ones with them all the time to our conferences. And so uh, talk to your husband about that. And if you can see your way clear to do it, we would love to do whatever we can to get the two of you down here. We just so appreciate your stand and your willingness to uh, take the heat and to suffer the consequences for speaking plainly about Jesus Christ. 
Well, thank you so much. And I would love to take you up on that. So I will definitely uh, speak to my husband about coming down to Florida in the month of January. That, that alone <laughs> is, is tempting enough, but I love uh, Founders Ministry and, and all that you guys do. So if I, if I would have the opportunity to come down there, I absolutely would love to take advantage of that. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Somebody in Ohio should really love to be in Southwest Florida in <laughs> January. So yeah, you reach out to Hannah. I think you guys have communicated already and uh, we'll do whatever we can to try to help you with that would love to to meet you and your husband and your little son uh, personally well thank you yeah. <laughs> i would love to have the honor to meet you as well well thank you for joining us on the sword and trial today and if you have enjoyed this podcast help spread it around if you haven't already subscribed to it it encourage us and will help us to get the word out further if you would do that we especially want to thank our founders alliance members because it's through their support and prayer their financial uh, partnership with us that we're able to produce this podcast and other content from founders ministries why are we here what is the most important thing in the world. One of our greatest problems is, is forgetting. We, we forget what God has done for us. We forget what God has taught us. We forget things that we have experienced. If we don't pause, if we don't think deeply, if we aren't reminded again and again and again, we forget. It strikes me pretty significantly in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. Why in the world would Paul tell a pastor to remember Christ? Well, he's not going to forget that Jesus Christ lived and that Jesus Christ taught, but he's going to forget the significance of Christ. Christ is ultimately our mission. The church is the body of Christ. A church has to focus on the supremacy of Christ because that's why we are the church. Christ is supreme overall. The church's great mission is to preach Christ. We're there to win souls. We're there to advance Christ's kingdom. The problem with the world is not that they don't agree with me. The problem is that they don't bow the knee to Christ. So that's why we're going to gather, to specifically, explicitly focus on the supremacy of Christ, to do our best to remind each other of the centrality of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the glory of Christ. So join us in Fort Myers, Florida, January 18th through 20th, 2024 as we focus on Jesus Christ. I hope to see you there.